It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. It is Thursday, September 17th. My name is Lincoln Shrike, joined by Kevin Sully. Supposed to be Gordon Mack. Gordon Mack was the one who pushed this podcast back because he said, let's recap Rome. He had, he had the right instincts to recap Rome because it was a very, very good meet, but he didn't have the right instinct to include himself in that because he backed out uh, shortly after declaring the rescheduled event. <laughs> Not unlike what's going on in, in cross country right now, it seems like. Uh, I think th- that was a little bit of a weird comparison. But uh, Kevin, glad to have you, even if it was an unexpected appearance. Lincoln, it's a pleasure to be here. And I'll say <laughs> Gordon's presence is not entirely absent in this podcast. But because before we started, we got this tweet that he posted out mm-hmm. that starts with this. On top of achieving the outdoor pole vault world record today, dot, 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 which... I should have stopped there because I thought I thought, man, you know what? Maybe let's just leave it at he vaulted 615. Uh, Gordon dropped this gem on us. Mondo is now the youngest to vault over six meters 18 times. Mm-hmm. There we have it. History. Yeah. And he's got like a seven year lead on the next <laughs> in the next guy. <laughs> yes. He did it at 20 years, 10 months and seven days. Sergey Bubka, 27 years, seven months and four days. So. The stakes were high today, Lincoln, for Mondo. Yeah. If he didn't do it today... <laughs> when is he going to do it? <laughs> yeah. I can't think of any other opportunity to close that six-year gap to Sergey Bubka. So, Gordon is not here, but he gave us that tweet to open the show with. Yeah. Um, whether or not you're calling this a world record or not, because outdoor versus indoor, it is the highest vault in history outdoors, 615. He cleared it by a bunch. Yeah. I think if he kept going... We would have seen a overall world record. I think we he, we would have seen him go above six eighteen for sure. Yeah, that, that's. I mean, obviously the goal was six fifteen this outdoor season, and what a culmination for for a great twenty twenty for him. I imagine he's still going to compete because that's what he does. He competes a lot, um, but I I assume he knew that it wasn't going to be declared a a world record because for whatever reason, World Athletics only wants to have one world record. You know, some people like to say double the fun not not world athletics they like to say the 
the standard amount of fun is what we would like to achieve. So if we can have two world records, we're only going to choose one. We're going to have one world record. Uh, so that's my way of saying I, I imagine Duplantis knew that 615 was going to be declared a world record. Um, but yeah, given what you said, he was well over. He was his hips were well over on the first time. He just knocked it down yeah. with the with with his arm. Um, so I guess in some ways surprising, but you know, even for someone as good and as young as he is, all these cracks at, at world, world bests, world records, whatever you want to call it this season have to have taken a toll. So maybe he just thought I'm good. I'm done. That's what I wanted to do outdoors, or at least that's what I wanted to do tonight in Rome. But yeah, for, for us layman's back here eating lunch while watching this, uh, mm. I th- it did look like he maybe could have had a crack at at a at a six nineteen or I guess it would yes six nineteen bar but uh, not a bad uh, not a bad uh, bag not a bad uh, uh, clearance overall six fifteen is still pretty good pretty darn good and if memory serves me cor- correct <clears throat> I'm having as much trouble talking as you are yeah. again I'm still just trying to wrap my head around that tweet <laughs> and the fact there's only six <laughs> years left. <laughs> When he was clearing indoors, he was clearing by large margins indoors yeah. As, yeah. as well too. So this is this is nothing new. I saw on the one he missed, he had a bandaid on his leg that came off. Yeah, so that might have just been the thing. That might have been the butterfly that flapped its wings that caused him to miss there. But there was no doubt about the next one. I'm looking at this quote from World Athletics, or sorry, from the Diamond League. It was just posted on Twitter. I wanted the outdoor world best at 6:15, so there would be no. There would no longer be any confusion. I now have the best jumps indoors and outdoors. Mm. I think he there's still confusion. The world best. I have never heard an athlete. Say yeah, the world, world that was a best. big world best for me. Uh, no, I did. They are, are they are we going to accuse World Athletics of of misquoting him? No. Uh, it was the yeah. Diamond League. It was the Diamond League. Anything yeah. Oh, the Diamond, Diamond League. League. Yeah. Um. I, he's never been one to worry himself too much about the the technicalities. He just has his own goals. We at, like to ask him a million times over a couple years ago when he had the American record while jumping for Sweden. You want a, like a juicy quote like saying, that's the dumbest thing ever, but I'll take it. He didn't ever go for that. So he, he's not going to be one to, especially when they're occasionally writing his checks, to say World Athletics, this is dumb that I don't have the world record. I should. Maybe if he did, they'd be smart enough to to change the rules. But you know, he has his own goals. He he's, as they like to say, which is totally not cliche at all. He's a student of the sport, so I know. I think he think he knows what what beating Sergey Bubka's mark is means uh, for somebody who yeah. basically won ninety seven world titles to have jumped higher than him is a big deal. Well, and look, yeah, the conditions indoors are going to be more consistent than outdoors. That's yeah. that's true. That's that's always going to be the case, but. It doesn't mean the conditions every time outdoors are going to be harder for vaulting than they right. are indoors. Right, that's why it's weird. Yeah, yeah. There could be some scenarios where it could be better, and the, with pole vaulting, a lot of it depends on the speed of the runway and all that other stuff, which varies from stadium to stadium already. So there's a lot of variables in here. I think, though, it is a little bit more important because outdoor is taken more seriously than yeah. indoor and right. we joke all the time about hashtag no indoor olympics which is true but i think eventually he'll get that mark they'll be even or he'll be able to even exceed it just because yeah. he'll have higher profile meets outdoors where he'll continue to to push himself and and really go for it again you know he wants to put that record 
out of distance for the next person. And I'm not talking about the, the world record. I'm talking about how many jumps over six meters <laughs> before the age 21. Yeah. To keep yeah. running that clock up there. Uh, yeah. Uh, I saw where that was going a little early. And so I started uh, laughing that up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've enjoyed this track season um, uniquely in the sense that I've watched all these meets from home. And with that, with a lot of these in Europe taking place uh, at night over there and then about midday here, I'm eating lunch with my son and he's watching these with me and he's, I'm getting to hear his observations. You mentioned the bandaid on the leg. My son pointed that out to me before mm-hmm. I even noticed. He's like, oh, he's got a, he's got a bandaid. And then at one point it came off exposing a little, little cut on the leg. Yeah. Uh, I, I say that only to, to point out that I, I've enjoyed watching that with my track and field with my son this year, which is an opportunity I wouldn't have. It's those types of moments, Kevin. They 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 make life worth living. I, I think. Um, what did kidding. Knox think of? What did Knox think of Warholm's first few hurdles? Did he think that's where he lost the sub forty seven, or did he think it came later on? In the um, no. So actually, uh, yeah, I I would have thought that, but Knox has a performer of the meet every every uh every meet and you you think oh it's easy it's going to be warhome breaking world record i mean excuse me it's going to be duplantis breaking a world record or warhome you know breaking a meet record if those even existed kevin uh but no he chooses (laughs) random people every time that impress him most now given he's four years old so his attention comes in and out today's winner andrew posi actually oh he was really impressed now it could have been that it was his first experience with the high hurdles but, you know, his second fastest time in history, uh, yeah, Knox was really impressed with his run. Uh, we could get to Warhomes soon, but I just wanted to point that out, that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's never the expected performance. It's just whatever, you know, gets his interest going. I would have thought Knox would have gone with Gianmarco Tambiri in the half. Period. Right, right, uh, yeah. Um, he wa- he watched him clear whatever, uh, you know, he watched Tambiri have a nice day in the, in the uh, high jump. But he didn't, and he saw his half beard, but he didn't say anything. Maybe it's just because I'm so poorly shaven right now that he's kind of mm-hmm. used to somebody already kind of looking to have a half beard. It could be that. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it was Andrew Posse for him. He, he, got the, he got the game hurdle, if you will. I thought going into this meet, it was going to be Warholm's show. I thought he still had a chance yeah. at getting yeah. the world record. And Mondo, you can never count Mondo out from the world right. record, but he, he just... Warholm seemingly had a little bit of momentum going after running again of another 47 low. This time he had two people to his outside. The race before in Berlin, he had one to his outside, and then he took, I think, two cracks at it where he was in the outermost lane right. entirely. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, he was chasing David Kinzira for a while on the backstretch, and I thought that mm-hmm. might provide just enough of a carrot to, yeah. to get him there. But he still runs uh, a top 10 uh, oh, yeah. mark all time for him. I mean, these are just these like average performances for him are still some of the best in history. Well, I know you are really, really big into stats, as you've shown, Kevin. And I pointed out on Twitter, on the flowtrack.com Twitter page, uh, which has got a lot the same of account. Is that the same uh, account that tweeted uh, the, yeah. the old six, 18, 20 year? Club? Yeah, I, you, you may think that that causes it to lose some credibility and you would be right there. But uh, I pointed out that he has now run four of the 11 fastest times of all time in the last 34 days, which is still a little bit of a harebrained tweet, but 
it does talk about how good he's been these uh, this last month, basically, which has been nearly the entirety of the Diamond League season. Uh, 47.07 today. I actually thought over the final hurdle he was going to get it. I know the final time was a little bit of ways, and he still accelerated well at the end, but I don't know. It's just he looked, to me, obviously way better than Ostrava and better to to me than he than he looked in Berlin. Um, you know, he didn't have to switch legs or anything. He just looks sharp. He didn't have to stut. He didn't stutter at all. Um, just, I mean, I, I think I think you know you're just gonna run forty seven zero sometimes, even when your PR is forty seven or forty six eighty eighty six uh, or eighty seven. Sorry, um, I don't know. He was fantastic again today. It's just what you come to expect. It's it's gonna take a perfect race for him to do it and, and maybe he's not quite fit enough right now or maybe he's tired we don't know which one it is but every time out it's it's still a shot and that's not saying anything um remarkable there but it, it is you have to it's appointment viewing absolutely every time and it, it, like i sort of thought okay maybe the chance is lost when he ran 47 6 but not absolutely not he's he's close every single time out well if you throw out the times on the margins and you throw out the 47.6 and you throw out the 46.87 from this year, yeah. you're left with a 47.07 from today, a 47.08 and a 47.10. So yeah. three times right. within a couple hundredths of one another. That seems to be his, his sweet spot, yeah. which really pretends well. I don't know if he's running again this year. That should be the main and the first question asked to him every single time. Even if he's not, I think he starts up next year with the idea that, yeah, he's going to be low 47s most of the time, and then he's going to eventually get that race where he breaks it, where he breaks right. it, excuse me, and he breaks it probably by a lot. Well, and I we've dismissed this because he's run so fast on his own this year, but, I mean, I think it's obvious now that the little extra push he needs is going to be competition, is going to be Rye Benjamin or Samba uh, running 47 seconds low or, or under uh, to do it. It's not that he's not mentally strong enough to do it on his own, but I, I just think that's the extra competitive push that maybe we've discounted simply because he's so good running solo. Yeah, I mean the one he his his best time ever in that Stockholm race, there was no one close. Forty six eighty seven. And maybe he went back and looked at that and thought, Okay, obviously there was the issue on the last hurdle, mm-hmm. but I don't know the the dimensions of that track, but Maybe he thought, eh, if I put myself in lane seven or six and I could have chased a little bit more, that could have quickened my first 200 and put me in a good spot. Again, it's so tough because there's such a huge technical component with with hurdling, and it's not like you can all of a sudden switch from 12 steps to 11 steps and it's going to be, be a good thing. So, yeah. I mean, we, we, we could be playing that up a bit too much. I just thought it was interesting how he's taking different approaches. And yeah. There's not a ton to talk about in 2020, so we're really focusing on this and specifically what lane he chooses to run in. Getting in the mm-hmm. the hurdles. I like it. Yeah. wonder who has the most career sub 40, 48s running out of lane 7. I'd be curious. Before a... their 25th birthday or after <laughs> their 25th birthday? Before, clearly. Because uh, we know Edwin Moses has it after. Um, no, it's I've, you. You run out of ways to describe Karsten Warholm, and he uh, is normalizing running forty-seven low, which should never be normalized. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, with this, this may be the end for him. I know there's the Norwegian Championships coming up. I've heard he's favored for that if he does compete. Um, so 
we'll see. But I don't think that is necessarily uh, 100% guaranteed that he's going to run uh, another time this year. Yeah, and the good thing about Carson Warholm is he could break it at the Norwegian Championships. Yeah. I also admire Norway for having championships right now. It's like, it's, well, now I know everybody, the, the, it's almost October and we very clearly have like four dominant athletes, but we need to, to find out who the best in Norway. We need to find out that Jakob Ingebrigtsen's good in the 1500 and 5K and Carson Warholm's the best 400 meter hurdler. I, I admire them for still pushing on. Big, big PR for uh, Jakob today. Speaking that was of a- which, and. Yeah, that was a great race. Distance. Yeah, that was probably the you know on the track the race of the meet in terms of the mm-hmm. most exciting. I mean, that was yeah. so so fast and got to see two up and comers there battle down the stretch with Kiplimo of of Uganda getting the win. Is he taking some headlines away from Chepta guy? Ooh, that's in, a in tough. Uganda, like that's what's a the Ugandan take. version of first take? What are they talking about? Yeah, yeah, they they have their own Stephen A. Uh, he. Uh, <laughs> Coming up on, quite frankly, Jacob Kiplimo, you are, uh, yeah. I'm wondering if we're, because when we were in Doha, we definitely were in a mix zone. I mean, we we had all sorts of media members from all over the world next to us. But I don't remember seeing the Ugandan contingent. I wonder if they're going to be come out in in Mm -hmm. fuller force next time around because they have these two two absolutes. I mean, Chapter Guy obviously is already a star. But yeah. Kip, Kip Limo looks like he's right there. I think if you're doing favorites now, like if you had to do the 5K, if you do your 5K picks right now, you, yeah. I think you'd put Kip Limo in the top three, wouldn't you? Well, certainly Cheptegei won. And then Kip Limo, I, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, he runs 726 today. I guess we buried the lead there uh, after running 1248. And he had basically been a non-factor previously on the track. Now he had, uh, you know, run 27, 26 and the 10,000 and, and had done really well, got the silver at world cross, but mm-hmm. it's easy to forget if you're not hyper-focused on track and field that Kiplimo one, he's only 19 and he's actually younger than Jakob Ingebrigtsen, which is, I thought was actually impossible to be younger than Jakob Ingebrigtsen, but it, Kiplimo shows it's possible. Uh, he hadn't done hardly anything on the track. He just hasn't hadn't competed, and when he had, he just had been you know he was young and hadn't hadn't had any fast times. Now all of a sudden he's like hopping on here and he's out kicking uh, Barrega in the five thousand, and then Jakob Ingebrigtsen in in this three k and and seven twenty six. It was really well paced, and you got to give a lot of credit today to Stuart McSwain who ran seven twenty eight and did a lot of the work by himself. Um, but yeah, oh, Shiana record. Oh, Shiana. There's record. been so many. They are partying down under in the uh, in Australia and and, and New Zealand. Um, all of Oceana. Uh, yeah, all of it. Um, Fiji. Like Kip Limo's kick, regardless of his inexperience, the guys he's beaten: Borrega, a medalist, and obviously Ingebrigtsen, one of the best in the 15 and 5K worldwide. Uh, his kicks, yes, suggest that he is absolutely right. If if it was going to happen right now, he'd be a, a medal favorite, and I, I would think the silver medal favorite at this point. Mm-hmm. Uganda one two baby. That's fair. That's fair, and I think this it makes sense that you know Jakob took so well to this distance because we've seen him in the fifteen, we've seen him in the five. He's never really yeah. run a fast three k. 
his PR outdoors was eight flat, so he smashed that today. Welcome yeah. to the sub eight. Sub eight before you're 20. It's pretty good. It's pretty uh, big. And he dropped some time there. So it, 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 it made sense that he got stuck in there. But the, you're right. The pacing was really good. And then McSwain kind of filled that role of secondary rabbit to, mm-hmm. to bridge that gap. And he was rewarded with a good, a good time as well. But it was, a, yeah, it was an exciting race all along. It's what you want to see in Diamond League type racing. Like you have the fast time, but you also had a, a competitive field down the stretch. I'm interested not in the times necessarily because you know we, we get moments. so we get so bogged down in times. Kiplimo's kit it it, it looks like he's, he's wearing a Nike kit and it's like orange and and blue. I, not any of the colors that any other Nike athletes are wearing right now. It looks yeah. like one of those kits that that like people that are unsponsored get just like they just get gear, but it's like last year's gear. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm wondering what's going on with that because he doesn't have the, the barbed wire fence that every other Nike athlete has. I can't imagine a situation where he's not actually sponsored right now. But typically for Nike athletes, the only other different kits go to the reigning world champions who have different colors. That's the case mm-hmm. for Cheptegei. But Kip Limo, like what, what's going on? Why is he he's just in an orange color? Does he only like running in orange? Like I, I, don't, I don't understand what's, what's going on with that. I'm curious about his I wardrobe. Didn't... I didn't see this is why you need to be on the ground at these meets, Lincoln. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm trying to find a picture of this race and I don't see it anywhere. So I cannot You can go comment. to the flow track twitter.com. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I blocked that after that last week. So <laughs> we're not going we're not going there for a while. I see it. Oh, that's a sharp looking kit. Oh, it is the barbed wire. Is it? Yeah, it's the barbed wire but in orange. Oh. Oh, you just couldn't see it cuz it's just off orange. Okay. Yeah. Wow, so he just gets Again, his own he just gets his own kid, I see. Okay. Yeah. Not a great again, I'm not a big fan of the barbed wire. If I was doing kit rankings again this year, those would be pretty low mm-hmm. on the list. This meet, though, across the board had immense kit variety because yes. there were so many people in here who weren't sponsored mm-hmm. by m- major companies. So you had like the Springfield, Missouri Track Club lining up in lane six. That's good. And like well, Steve's Brewery in Lane Eight. Did you notice the drunk. Italian police was well represented? Yeah, I did yeah. see that. At first, I read it as Poland, but like, because it's, but I was like, that's not, that's not right. But yeah, I was definitely put that into Google Translate. I was like, yep, yeah, con- confirmation there. Um, go ahead. Well, one thing I I, I can't conf- you you mentioned being on the ground and finding you know talking to the athletes to understand what was going on, but I. I and maybe he had worn this previously, but on Tim Barry's kit, Halfbeard's kit, he had the number eight on the front and the back. Yeah. I I think with Co- is it is it an homage to Kobe? Is that what that is? He's Puma though. I I googled this during the meet. I think there's okay. some there's like some Puma ad campaign. Okay. Eight. I don't. Oh, know. Okay. Okay. I just thought Kobe's connection to Italy, and you know, obviously he passed this year. So, anyways, I just was curious. Um, but maybe yeah, that's... you could be. You could be right. I just, I don't know. I googled it, and there was it was some sort of there was like a cricket reference as well in there. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that what is Puma one eight? Oh, okay. Indian cricket skipper Virat Kohli has launched his athleisure brand one O N E eight number eight. Oh, but is, is that it? would that be it? This is uh, this is hold on. I gotta do a quick Twitter search because Tamberi. 
Uh, I like you're digging in here on this, though. That's good. Uh, Tim Barry. I was wondering I the same know. thing. Anyways. I just thought it would be. I thought it would be funny if Puma handed out jerseys like your high school team and all of them had a number on them. So it's like, Tamberry, you're right. eight this year. Uh, Jones, you're six. <laughs> Bolt, you get one, even though you're not competing. You just keep your number one jersey from last year. Anybody yeah. have any complaints? Mm-mm. Run faster next year. Yeah, exactly. Um, wow. Uh, okay, well, that was solved in, in a disappointing result. Um, let's see, what else? If you work for Puma, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Right? Yeah, explain, your, you explain your rationale. Um, There's two women's races I think we should talk about for okay. sure. The women's, the women's eight and the women's hundred. Okay, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, Elaine Thompson competed. Yeah, she was fast. Yeah. She was shot out of a cannon. Mm-hmm. It, was cool. it was cool to see a like really high level women's hundred this year didn't expect it she did say in the pre-race press conference that she was feeling healthy which she hadn't been the last couple years and i guess that had shown she had been she'd run fast last year i mean she ran in the what'd she run last year like 1073 at at one Mm -hmm. point and then just kind of just didn't yeah got hurt and and and, uh i think she ran in the final at worlds but just was like out of the medals uh, but yeah, she looked really, really good uh, today. And 1085 is a solid time for for a sprint. You know, the sprints is just, especially you know, she hadn't had a lot of build up to it at least in races. That's that's a pretty remarkable time. Yeah, yeah. And for her, the issue's just been staying healthy throughout the duration of seasons. We've seen her run mm-hmm. really fast in in May and June, and maybe this year September is like May and June for some athletes because of when they're starting. So the true test is if she can do it again next year for, well, when it actually counts. I guess it it really doesn't matter next year if you do it in May and June. It really only counts if you do it in in the Olympics. The women's eight, I think, is confirmation that Gemma Riki is a a gold medal possibility. Whoa. What? Yeah. I mean, the time wasn't that good, so I'm curious what you're – how you're coming away with that takeaway. Have you seen her year this year? It's been pretty good. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you need to just dive into the numbers here this year. So indoors, 157.91, and then she also ran a, a two-flat. Uh, she ran a 417-mile at Milrose. She's not a miler, right? She's an animated right. runner. She's 22 years old. This is, like, really her first year on on the big-time stage right. here, and it's it's a weird year for that to happen. If there were world indoors, I think she'd have been really good. But this is her outdoor. 159, 159, 158, 158. And then 1500s, uh, she won in Bidgosh and then ran 402 and won in Marseille and then 403 and was third in Ostrava. So Hmm. she also ran the Monaco 1K, ran ran 231. I just think one – I mean – if you can run win fifty eight, I think you can get them. I think you can win the gold in the right situation. Um, like I'm assuming she's gonna. Sorry, if you can run one fifty eight this year, I think next year she can win gold in the right situation because I think she can drop down time clearly. And Semenya's not there. Francine Ninsaba's not there. It's, right. We know we know around what it's gonna take to win, and I think she can put out that type of performance when when it counts. I mean, I get. You're most worried about someone like Ajay Wilson just because her ceiling is so high. But past Ajay Wilson, 
Um, I mean, I guess, you know, people like Natoya Gould have run fast in Monaco and have caught those like good races where Semenya has been in them and pulled them to, to quick times. But I don't, do you think, do you think Gemma Riki is less of a favorite than the reigning world champion? No, because Nikali. Um, I mean, that was weird. Yeah, race. that was that that came with some. Uh, came many, many people thought she shouldn't have been even been in the final. That that's neither here nor there. But just based on how aggressive she ran the semifinal, you can you can use my name. Yeah. I did not think because yeah. uh, she should have been DQ'd because you can watch that race. And it's um, ridiculous. But she ran she ran well in the in the final to win, and it was a huge upset and kind of threw into chaos. Like like you said, like who is the favorite? I mean, I would still say right now, if you have to pick a favorite, it's Ajay Wilson. But yeah, yeah, no one had a better year than than Riki in, in what has been a very quiet women's eight hundred. Because re- previously, the you know the fastest woman of the year, or the or at least the was it the world was Laura Muir the world leader heading into this? It, I mean, if not, she was very close. Um, she she beat Laura Muir today. Laura Muir got third. So certainly, I mean, I, you know, Laura Mears not going to run the 800. So again, that's that's not really that big of a deal. But you know, no, my point being the the women's 800 has basically been like a four women's 400 hurdles. It's been stagnant. Nothing's changed too much, yeah. other than I guess Riki, if she does choose the 800, which would be expected. Uh, yeah, you you would think she could she could be a a, a major major factor in a in a race that. It seems like nobody really wants to win at this point. Obviously, that's not true, but there's just been no one that's made any separation. Uh, I, I thought, I know the pandemic is different, so you can't judge anyone for not competing, but I would have thought after the disappointment in Doha last year, Wilson would have wanted to come out, wanted to come out and really like stamp her foot down as as the favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the pandemic obviously made that, you know, she didn't need to do that at that point, risk health to 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 make that statement but she should be the favorite but now the question with that without a season going forward someone like Riki can elevate and say well if you can run 158 you've got a great shot at a medal and since this is your first year and you're only 22 your first year really at this level you would think you can take another step forward in an olympic year so that possible possibility exists for her so certainly yeah. she's not the favorite by any means no but, i didn't say but did i say she no was i know you didn't say that okay. no 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 but maybe i did I was honestly asking because sometimes I say things I don't remember what I said. Yeah, but yeah. no, I I said she can win gold. Yeah. I think so I, maybe I, I confuse those two things, but she's had a great year. You're right. I would put her as a favorite for a medal mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, she ran one fifty seven nine indoors. Yeah, February first. Yeah, first. That's, that's pretty good. And then nothing she's done since then has been as fast, but because the pandemic things haven't gone perfectly and she's run around that time a Mm -hmm. bunch of times to let you know that's not that's not a fluke i mean last year this is a person who last year well her pr coming into this year was 201.45 and every single 800 she's run this year indoors and out has been faster than her pr from the year before that just seems like that seems like we're trending in the right direction yeah last year she got bounced out of the first round of the world championships 1500 and now we're talking about her as a potential medal threat, potential gold medal threat in the 800. Yeah, I'd say it's been quite the the leap up for her. It's a, a, a really, really strong, uh, strong year for her. I mean, she ran 402 last year in the 15. So that, you know, that is a more imp- probably mark. Marks-wise, that's probably more impressive than 201. So she had 
a little more to give, but still she hadn't done it. And then now she's just knocking him out every single time. And the yeah. fact that she's training with, with Mir too. It's good. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. It's obviously working incredibly, incredibly well for her. And, um, it's someone who's, you know, you see her on the start line now. You're like, Oh, there's Jim Ariki where previously I had not even heard of her name. So big, as far as my perception of her, I know she's concerned about that. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking for her every time, every time out. Yeah, you're right. We didn't know. She got bounced out of the first round last year, but did you pay any attention to that? No, I didn't know who she was. No, you were too busy getting scared by Danny Stahl screaming in the mix. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, 100%. Exactly. That man has a very deep voice, and I was looking for coffee at any any moment. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's – she's on my radar now. Yeah. I don't know. Was there anything else that – Stood out. I mean, you mentioned Posse, who won the Knox Athlete of the Meat Award. Nadine Visser won the women's. She did. High hurdles. Um, Simbine won the men's 100. 996. That's that's pretty solid. Um, anything else? No, I don't think so. Um, the uh, What's the, the one woman's name in the 400 hurdles who's won, like, every 400 hurdles race, and it's, like, two seconds off of the world best or the world record? Uh, bowl. bowl. I mean, she's just like, I keep seeing her name pop up every single meet and like, perhaps no one has benefited more from her event being like completely vacant, vacant this year than her. She's just racking up those checks at 53 second high, which isn't a bad time. But when you got people running 52, one and 52, two, uh, you know, it's quite a difference between what you what you can achieve when Sydney McLaughlin and Delilah Muhammad are there versus when they're not. And uh, yeah, she's made herself she's made a pretty she had a really real good season uh, in an event that is dominated by two Americans usually. Well, and she's winning them comfortably too. It's yeah, not yeah, yeah. As if she's sweating out these checks, she won mm-hmm. by over half a second mm-hmm. again again today some events have been gravely impacted by the pandemic gravely probably not the right word there or the appropriate word um but dramatically impacted by the pandemic their quality today's men's 400 uh was bad it was very very bad uh the 400 men's 400 hurdles and the pole vault no they've been they've been pretty good yeah uh so it's been it's been a weird year it's it's just been a to to, to only become the 80 millionth person to say that this year, it's been a weird 2020 year. And it, it's not been, uh, it, it, track and field has not been spared from that. Yeah, you could, you could break it down in a bunch of ways, looking at it month by month, like which events were interesting in each month because they've all taken on little mini seasons. Or you could break it up by which events are just awesome and they haven't missed a beat and look the same as they normally have. And that's a very, very small group. I'd put the men's mm-hmm. pole vault in there, yeah. which events are still awesome and fun to watch because they're being carried by one or two people. And then which events are basically punting to 2020 mm-hmm. which is and the majority of them, which yeah. is the majority, yeah. but, but the, yeah, there, there have been a plenty of, uh, plenty of events in each barrel there, which is, mm-hmm. is pretty cool. I smell a future column coming up. For a Boom. We just, we just workshopped it. I mean, you just workshopped it there. Boom. Yeah. All right. That's, that's all I've got today. You got anything else? No, that's it. I'm looking forward to you and Gordon having a pod tomorrow at your normal yeah. scheduled time. That's not well, we haven't, at all. 
We haven't talked about cross-country yet, which is what we will get to tomorrow. Uh, the committee on the subcommittee of the Ninth Ward Committee <laughs> of the of the Executive Board of Panel of Governors and Directors wants to have cross-country championships in March, but it's got to get through all 74 grumpy coaches that don't want to have cross-country in March. So we, we will discuss all of that uh, on tomorrow's <laughs> podcast about NCAA cross country potentially happening in 2021. Uh, but for myself, Lincoln Shrike, he is Kevin Soley. We'll talk to you tomorrow.